Dear listeners, another day, another dollar, another all-time high. This is Zuma JD, interview number 11. We have another great guest. Let's get straight into it. Dan, also known as CMS Holdings. How you going? Good, good, doing good. Um, just enjoying the pure euphoria in the market. Yeah, it's it's hectic and relentless, especially even compared to previous crypto mania times. This is next level exciting for everyone. So, yeah, one thing I like to do on the show before we kind of start talking about the market, just for those who don't know, if you maybe talk a little bit about how long you've been in crypto and why you got into it and a bit about CMS as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, God, I've been doing this kind of since it was like a thing, um, like in a professional capacity. So I, I'd say like if you had to like pick a date where I sort of like hopped into it, it was probably like early 2013. Um, I had I had been like interested slash like an investor in like crypto, which was basically just Bitcoin up until that point um, in a personal capacity. But then I was like, all right, when that first run up happened in Q1-ish of 2013, I was like, all right, this is like a thing more than just sort of like a little niche hobby um, for like a weird fringe part of the internet. And then you started seeing like real sort of like names in traditional finance start coming out, right? Like that was when, I think that's around the time that the letter from Andreessen came out about it. And then Chamath said he bought a bunch, like the Winklevoss said they bought a bunch. Mm. Um, you know, it just like, it started getting some like real momentum on it. And like, it started to become somewhat of a, a thing. So I was trading equity derivatives at a hedge fund list out of Boston, um, was doing actually some like, what you would call OTC in like the early days, like trading with second market, which was like the grayscale thing. And that eventually became Genesis trading today and still sort of like functions that capacity. And that's actually where I met Bobby, who was one of the other co-founders of CMS. And I was working with the third guy, um, Julian, who's the other founder of CMS at Bay Hills. We actually worked together even before we sort of branched into crypto. But wow. the, the bi- yeah, so like it goes back pretty far. Um, and the thing that was like becoming pretty apparent to me was there wasn't a lot of like investable businesses back then, um, or really anything that could like really stand on its own feet. Like the, what's funny is like the thing going around then that was like really hot was like the payments narrative for Bitcoin, which like completely went nowhere, mm. but like bit, like BitPay was like the big player. Right. It was funny. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, like you don't think about it now. But that was like the place. So like the exchanges were obviously the biggest, like the exchange is the most clearly defined business, right? You were like, all right, this makes sense how these like guys make money and like they're going to continue to make money. Like it was just like a very, that was the only thing you could look at and be like, all right, this, this makes sense besides mm-hmm. like the mining side. But the mining side was like so unapproachable if you like weren't basically like a chip designer. Right. So Right. And which I had no knowledge of. So I ended up, I was very close to a lot of the exchanges because I was doing a lot of automated trading um, in like very, very basic stuff because I was doing a lot of automated trading for my day job at the hedge fund. Um, so I was like, all right, like this stuff back then was like really like just busted. And you like, you was brain dead. You'd be like, all right, it's like 12% wide between yeah. Mt. Gox and Bitfloor just like are bad and like like that was like the equivalent of what it was at that time. So, so like rolling back a little bit, when you first got into it in 2013, obviously there would have been other people who were working for hedge funds and whatever who'd come across crypto or, or as you said, it was just Bitcoin really at the time. But and they might have been a little bit curious, but nothing really stuck. What what specifically about it interested you? Yeah, so I think I have a pretty interesting origin story in that regard in that I never really was like about like, oh, this is like non-sovereign money. It, it, that was like an interesting angle to it. But I was more interested in this thing is very volatile. It trades 24-7 and it just seems like it has the world's like worst market participants in it currently. <laughs> so like it was really it was really like from that point of view. And I was like, all right, this is because I was just a trader at the fund. And like you, when you trade stocks, you like don't really care about them, right? Like you don't like have like a vested interest in like the stuff. It's just like it's all just like a bucket of risk. So yeah. I was just like, this is just like another asset that like moves around a lot and like it's probably cheap on a relative basis. Mm. So that was like, that was like kind of it. And like that's changed over time. Like I've like really sort of gotten into the whole ethos of it as like, like time has progressed. But in mm. the beginning, I was just like, 
this is a way to like make some money and like it trades a lot and like it probably just makes sense to like own it and that was like it and that was like sort of the first like foray into it but we we like did talk to some other funds back then um and like some sort of like smaller players some people that ended up actually like putting positions on later it, it was just like it was toxic back then like the the whole like silk road narrative yeah like really was it like that was like that was what people knew bitcoin about right so if you yeah. talk to them they'd be like oh that's that like internet drug money like you don't get that anymore but in that time frame that was like mm. almost impossible to shake and and it was in a really gray regulatory area like this is pre bit license this, this is pre fincen even like making an announcement on it yeah this was sort of like it was unclear if it was legal right it, like nobody thought it was probably gonna be illegal but nobody had explicitly stated that there was any sureness that it would be legal so mm. it was like almost a compliance impossible lift to like go and be like hey, i think we should buy some like bitcoin with like other people's like money it just like you, you couldn't do it um mm. and like the first vehicle that really like could do it was like the grayscale product um gbtc when like that came out but even that was like a tepid response because people were still like, well, like, I don't like, is this thing going to exist? Is it going to get like shut down? Like there's no mm. defined liquidity on like the trust like product. It's like a weird, so it, 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 there was not any institutional interest in that thing. It wasn't for a long time. It's really, that is very much like a recent phenomenon. So back then, yeah. like we, we would have conversations with people, but nobody was really doing it. it was, and and you, the people you knew that were at the fun side that were doing anything, it was almost always in a personal capacity. Yeah, that that's interesting because obviously with this rally, the whole institutional funds thing has become a reality. And in the past, people would it was actually a running joke. You know, when do the institutional oh, yeah. funds come or all these exchanges that would pivot to be institutional grade platforms and all. It was just retail traders. that oh, time. like a, this is so it was silly. a joke. Mm. So, I, I mean, I like for that. I was running circle trade at the time when like that whole narrative came out like in 2017 yeah. and they're like, yeah, the institutions are coming. And I'd be like, listen, <laughs> like I'm sitting here like punching a non-trivial amount of the like aggregate trading volume that happens a day. And I can tell you that it's an entirely retail driven market. I was like, yeah, it's high net worth individual retail, but it's retail. I was like, we have, cause we were having phone calls with a lot of people now that have like punched these tickets. Right. And like a lot of mm -hmm. banks and like, it, it just became pretty clear that we're going to do anything in any reasonable amount of time. I was like, this shit is five compliance, like shutdowns and two major like board decisions away from anybody being able to like do this stuff. I was like, they're, they're so far behind and like getting yeah. on that like risk curve. But, but now you're seeing it sort of hit, but like all of that, all of that like nonsense, like in that time frame, like as somebody with like boots on the ground, I was like, this is a joke. I was like, this is not like a real thing. Like this is an mm. entirely retail driven market. Which, which can still be like quite a big thing, right? Like those were like yeah. real notional moving through the system. Yeah, especially with leverage as well. Yeah, right, right, right. So why do you think, what do you think happened in the past year or two that made institutions take the leap? Is it that the platforms are good enough or there's more regulatory certainty? No, I actually think the infrastructure has nothing to do with it. Um, because like the infrastructure, like while it's gotten better, like I don't think like the fundamental pipes of it have really changed too much, right? Like think mm. about like almost all of this stuff is just like a TWAP on like a couple of like spot exchanges that have existed for like ever now and yeah. sticking it in like the same custodians that were around, you know, like, like there, if that was your hurdle, like it's unclear to me, like why suddenly in like the last 18 months it like mattered. I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing is just time, right? So like those conversations that we were having with people in 2016, 2017, and then like they, they, they so here's like what happens, right? So the bottom falls out of the market in 2018. And then like, there's so much career risk to like buy that falling knife. If you're, so if you think about it like this, like you have to be making a huge leap wherever you are, if you're the guy advocating this, that you like, you have like some path dependency, right? Like you can't have the price really go against you a ton because you probably are fighting a lot of inertia and or you're definitely fighting compliance and legal. And you're yeah. like, you, you know, like you have to like get some like political clout to do it. And then if it's like also not making money, it's gonna just like really be hard on you and your like life. So mm -hmm. like that was like probably the big problem in the fall of 2018. And then there's also just like the time aspect. Like it just, it takes time to like get people comfortable with this stuff especially yeah. like more senior older like people inside these organizations so like and, and if you really look at it like the large tickets and like the large purchases are mostly coming from like corporates that have like very like enigmatic ceos and mm. have a lot of control right like they're able to like 
almost unilaterally like puts these decisions through right which is helping sort of have like, it's very hard to get like a committee of people to like get buy-in on it like that, that has been a much slower process but anyway and like here's the thing right it snowballs like once you get a couple people doing it like there's like enough sort of cloud coverage to like do the next one and then like nobody like somebody so it snowballs a little bit and then like it almost just becomes acceptable and normal and then like random people are doing it and like it so I think that, that's really like what you're seeing. It's like, it's a function yeah. of two things. It's like just time and like all that like political, like like nonsense and like bureaucracy that has to happen internally at a lot of organizations. And then mm-hmm. just like sort of the coverage you get from like other people doing it. And you had like a lot of like real investors put slugs into it, right? I think like Paul Tudor Jones's thing was like pretty big. Yeah. Um, like Drug and Miller's thing was like big. Like, you know, there was like real people that had like come out and like stated like, oh yeah, like well, I got a slug of this thing. Like, I think it's real. Somebody who's like always been in it, like I think never got like enough play on it, was like Bill Miller. Like he was like always really into it, <laughs> and like, and like I feel like it just got like passed over because he was like so early that people like forgot when like they were like oh like all these other people were like buying it. Be like this guy's been buying it for a while. Yeah, say with the with Tesla buying in and Elon Musk making these jokes on Twitter about how I think one of his tweets was something like um, Bitcoin's is almost as worthless as fiat. Or something like that. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, um, I did see that one. Do you think that there's some potentially there's given the amount of like monetary intervention that's happening at the moment because of COVID in particular that like CEOs and and people who do big business are starting to question more how the US dollar works and how finance works itself or not really? I don't think so. I I don't, I don't think that's like a pervasive theme that's mm. like driving a ton of like disease. like i think people might worry about like longer term inflation sort of stuff but like there's other vehicles that people can like use for like hedging stuff and you could be like right you make the argument that they're poor but like i i'm not necessarily a buyer that like all that corporate treasury stuff is gonna like switch over in any like fast time frame i, I don't know like it's here's the thing right like you've had periods of like very high inflation in the united states and like i don't think you had like a mad rush of like those treasuries sort of like functions to like go buy hard assets during right. those time frames. I mean, I'm not like super familiar with the history of that. It's just like, I don't think that's mm. like normally a corporate treasury function is like buying speculative assets. Yeah, um, it, and it like, look, be... I like Bitcoin as much as the next guy. It's just like, it's a big shift in like mm. logic for a lot of those folk. Yeah, what what's your personal opinion on kind of inflation risk? It seems to be the hot topic at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's common. I don't see how it's not. I think it's, like, specifically definitely happening in, like, pockets of, like, the economy. Like, I mean, you look what's, like, going on in, like, stocks. You, like, look what's going on in crypto. Like, like real estate in certain, like, sectors is flying. Mm. Um, it, it's finding its way into the system in, like, weird ways. Um, so I think that's going to continue. Like, core CPI, like, it was today was the print, like, wasn't even, like, that high. It was, like, under. So, like, you're not seeing it in consumer goods yet, but you're definitely seeing it in, like, financial assets and, like, sort of, like what you call like stores of value type things. Yeah, so it's, it's like getting in the system. And I think it's like a big concern for people. And like concern about inflation can be just as like driving as like actual inflation. So Right, right. It, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Very uh, much so. Yeah, yeah. It's usually how things get out of control. I, I feel like there's this perfect storm going on. The whole thing with uh, GME earlier this year, uh, like the whole Wall Street bets thing shows to me that there seems to be some popular sentiment that something's not quite right in finance at the moment. Um, like people can't quite put their finger on it, but I think like that's that's also good for for Bitcoin. Usually, it gets new people interested. They start thinking out outside the square. And at least for me, I got into crypto quite early, and I'll, I'll like always hold my crypto until the next serious financial crisis. Uh, and that's when it really gets tested, you know, how much take up there is of crypto in, in, in a time like that and whether it's potentially part of a, a solution. Not, I'm not saying Bitcoin's going to replace any currency or anything like that, but that banks like try to get into digital currency or like companies try to issue their own digital currencies or something. It could be a very interesting like bundle of things that happen that involve crypto if there's a very serious financial crisis. And it seems to be at the moment that that there's a higher chance than usual that something strange happens, right? Yeah, um, it'll definitely be weirder next time. Um, mm. I mean, you could even like, like maybe say that happened with COVID, right? Like, I mean, like weird things did happen post that. I mean, like we're sort of living in the like wake of that still. 
Yeah, we still haven't really figured out exactly what happens. What did you think of the whole Wall Street bets thing? Yeah, as like an observer on the side, I was like, this is hilarious. Um, mm. I, I, I like, I don't know. I'm not a huge like fan of like watching like retail pick up into like mania over like yeah. a single stock. That's probably trash. Um, or like I say that like knowing nothing about it, but like, I just like, I don't think the market had mispriced it by like a factor of 50 or whatever it had done. <laughs> right. So like it, it, it was trading just purely on emotion and like mm. mania and it's fine. Like a lot of people made a lot of money. I just like, I don't know if that's like net going to work out for a ton of people in the end. Like, yeah, like maybe they like torched a couple hedge funds like in the root, but I don't know if that's like, it, you see this in like crypto too, right? Like you see like speculative, like waves of mania that like hit sort of like sectors of things. And like, I don't know, I, I'm not sure that like we should be cheering on that behavior yeah. as like on the sideline. Like I, I'll be a participant in it for sure. And like, I'll, suck money and alpha and edge out of it where i see fit but like i i don't mm. know if like that's a good thing long term for the mm. community of people that's like trading the asset i don't yeah. know that yeah. I, I don't want to like pour cold water on it because like i i still think it was like a good i think other people learned a lot of things about like how markets work and especially like how the settlement and clearing side works but yeah. i don't know it was a little weird to watch that that um clubhouse chat with Elon Musk and the CEO of Robinhood was really interesting where he was explaining like the kind of inner workings of how the clearing stuff works. There's this super boring book called After the Trade is Made and it's all <laughs> about how the settlement and clearing of like securities work and it's like it'll put you to sleep but it's like the most in-depth thing I've ever seen in my life about like how the whole thing works. It's a busted system. It's old, it's like inefficient, like Yeah um but it's like it is what it is and like it's how like the system like runs currently mm. so so i know i know of quite a few people who've done token projects where they've essentially built a tech startup by issuing a token the most the one i know best is run by one of my best mates um used to be called loki it's now called oxen and i'm not trying to shill a coin here by the way interesting story so they they essentially <laughs> built this um private messaging platform that's taken off with all the other ones that like Session and Telegram have all really had a big um, user increase recently and their messaging platform has benefited too. But they funded the whole project by um, issuing and selling a token rather than, you know, doing the kind of classic startup thing where you sell equity and, and do all that. And uh, mm -hmm. I think that'll happen more and more over time. And then people, you know, companies will essentially finance themselves through through tokens. I mean, this isn't, a new idea but i'm really seeing how the benefits of that are clear especially as i learn more about how equity works and how expensive it is to issue equity in private rounds and then the whole process of dealing with shares is really cumbersome and expensive even as a public company like it, it just it's just unnecessarily so i mean look it's great if you're like a founder of a corporate and you can like sell tokens instead of equity like, like a because it's non-dilutive right so like mm -hmm. you get to keep all your equity and like, secondly, you get almost instantaneous liquidity on the token. And like, right. frankly, there's like more, it's easier to sell a token than it is to sell like uh, equity right now, especially um, to the market because people want it because it gets liquidity ASAP. Yeah. Um, and like, it, it's just like an easier sell sort of to folk. So I, mm. yeah, I'd say like in general, it's the, the market says like it wants that model. Um, I think like that's like sort of been seen. I think people prefer that um, mm. like, in, in crypto in particular, like you don't see this happening in like other things, but like you, you also then are therefore forcing a token into a model, right? That doesn't always make yeah. sense. So like you can't just do, like it makes sense in a lot of models because like there is like a need for like some native token or at least you can get there in logic, but like it'd be very hard for like certain companies to like put mm -hmm. it in there, right? Like, like why does Tesla need a token? Like it probably doesn't, you know, like there's not necessarily right. like a clear reason. And if you're doing things just to do them, that's like not a great idea either. So I, like, I don't, in no world do I think that token-based financing is gonna like outpace like equity-based financing. I just think there's yeah. like certain pockets of like things that are happening where that is like the better and more like fleshed out mm. model and people like want that. I think um, the, the problem is like the stuff like always runs into the issue of like, it looks a lot like equity. So like, why isn't it equity? Mm. And like the SEC then like sort of like takes jurisdiction of it. Yeah, I just wonder if in if there's a future where people are more interested in trading and like fiat currency becomes more and more unattractive that essentially corporates could issue their own currency just so you can use it to pay for stuff and it can be like 
it can initially be pegged to like the USD or something and then allowed to free float as it has take up. So for example, you could use the Tesla coin to like get cheaper charges at superchargers or Apple could issue a coin and you can use it to like, you can use it in, when you use Apple Pay and you get a discount or something. And essentially they start to carve up the financial system between each other um, by just issuing digital currencies. And in the future, people will have, you know, they'll have like USD savings and they'll also have savings in all the, like all these corpo coins essentially yeah um i think you run into like a couple issues like the first issue is like people don't want to be like maintaining like balances of like everything in like like there's like utility in having like a universal sort of like payment system right like you don't want to have like starbucks bucks and then like duncan bucks and you can't like swap them or like use one of the like you can you can build something to like sort of like help facilitate that but it's a lot easier to just have like one sort of like Thing well if instead if, if right they were all if they were on like some kind of version of uniswap where that didn't have huge transaction fees and you could instantly like there was enough liquidity to easily go in and out of them it could potentially work especially if if you had some kind of token model where they were getting burnt by the company it it becomes pretty memey and maybe all these corporate coins just become like weird pumps and dumps but i think there is a potential future where this becomes like a, a route that crypto gets applied in as as institutions I, take more interest potentially potentially i i don't know i tend to think that you're going to stick to this model where there's like one dominant sort of currency that like exists mm. like for payment like like use case like I, I i'm also like not a huge buyer in the idea that like bitcoin will supplant the dollar for like most transactional means like i, I just like don't think that makes a ton of sense i think people view it as like a savings tool and like a store of value and they like have no they have no interest in using it to pay for things at all right yeah, so I, like but like dollars are really good for like having a medium of exchange for things so just to flesh this idea out a little bit more not to go on about it too much but imagine say we do have inflation over the next and it and it doesn't get brought under control over like a few years right i think you could have mm. a perfect storm where essentially safe say for us we've been in crypto and we've seen our kind of um, if you've kept most of your money in crypto, you've done really well. Like you've preserved a lot of wealth and created a lot of wealth. If you had like a Tesla or another company come along and say, we're going to issue this token, there's going to be a fixed amount of it. Um, while the USD is like inflating and everyone knows that, then you could see people literally rush into weird corpo coins to protect their net worth. Right. But you could make the argument that like Tesla's like equity and bonds are that vehicle now. Right, like you can just like own Tesla equity if you, you like are worried. I, I'd argue that it could happen. The reason why it happened with crypto is that because it's easier to trade crypto twenty four seven. Right. So it be, could become more liquid. I think one thing that interests me about crypto and has for a long time is that when you compare it to the traditional market, it's so accessible. Like that that twenty four seven trading feature is really novel. Um, like we take it for granted as crypto traders, but in the traditional market, not many things work that well, like as in work in this true 24 seven way, which I think is like the key feature really. I think what you really want is you want like tokenized Tesla equity that trades 24 mm. seven. Right. And, and I think that that's where things are going. Like, I, I think all markets are eventually going 24 seven, much to my chagrin. Like, I, I think that this idea that you're going to, like, tokenize and, like, have everything sort of be... Like, what, I think what's really going to happen is, like, they're going to take more assets from the real world and just, like, slap them onto digital representations. And then, like, those will be the things that trade. Versus, like, Tesla issuing, like, its own other crypto asset. It'll just take, like, its current assets that yeah. it has that are, like, tradable and, like, slap them into, like, a world. Like, that's going to be a really long time, though. Because, that like, that's, like, a big hurdle for, like, mm. regulators to, like, get comfortable with. And, like, it, it, there's a world they don't, like, in any reasonable amount of time. I, I think in the future they will, but I, I just don't know if it's going to, like, happen over... It's definitely not going to happen overnight, but I don't even know if it's going to happen in a realistic, like, time frame, like, a one to three year sort of, like, thought process. But I do think it'll get there. Because, um, right, like, that's really what people want, is, right? They want to be able to trade Tesla stock 24-7, mm. and they want to ram it into DeFi, and they want to be able to use it as collateral, and they want to be able to, like, push it through the system. They want it to have all of the things that we love about all the other crypto assets, but they want it for Tesla stock. Right, right. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, I think the only downside there is obviously you can't... Uh, like, one thing that's attractive about crypto is you can know 
exactly how much has been issued. Whereas obviously with equity, you can just keep diluting it. But right, it well, right. But I mean, like, there's a lot of crypto assets that have the same they issue. Also have that true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, look, that's part of it. Like, people, people don't. That doesn't stop people today from trading Tesla, right? Like, it mm. trades huge amounts of money. So like, I don't think that's a barrier for like people's risk appetite for like the stock. Yeah, makes sense. Just moving on to a, another topic. Do you have any opinions on uh, privacy coins? Yeah, I'm actually a very big fan of privacy coins, which has actually been a terrible bet. But mm. I am a big buyer of them in aggregate, more in a personal capacity. We haven't actually done a ton with CMS on it. Um, but like I own like slugs of them because I like I find that like to be a useful sort of addition um but i would say that's probably been a mediocre sort of like market reaction to it so like i, I, I say two things like, i find them extremely interesting and useful i do not think in aggregate like markets have decided that they are yeah useful in any capacity this is why i wanted to ask you because i'm in the exact same boat i mean when i first got into bitcoin then the next thing i got into was the privacy coins because it seemed like one of the obvious flaws with bitcoin is that it's pseudo anonymous but it's not really, it's very traceable actually. And I think that I saw that as being a kind of issue, just thinking a few steps ahead into the future, especially with like, I got into Bitcoin at the same time as you did. And it was known as like the, the, the drug money thing. So a lot of the stories totally. were about how, oh, you know, these drug dealers thought that it was an anonymous um, technology. Turns out it isn't, and you can trace it all on this blockchain. So yeah. And, but then as you say, like the, Trading privacy or holding privacy coins has been terrible. Um, like I've been a big fan of Zcash and that's just been, it's been the, the worst coin to trade by far. The, all the coins I've traded, Zcash has given me the most pain, but I still find myself liking it. And actually, just over the past few months, it's been rallying a fair bit, which has made me happy. And I wonder if we're potentially yeah, you gotta, turning a corner here. Yeah, it finally cut the inflation. I mean, like that's been like Zcash's big issue is that it's like, it just mm. has soul crushing inflation yeah. and, it, and it has for the last four years. And like if the inflation's not low now at all, um, like they, they decided that they were going to do this the hard way on the issuance side. And there's two, there's, look, there's, there's two ways to look at it. One is like you just moon rotted this thing and now nobody wants to look at it because the chart's ugly and like everyone's just like been in pain and like nobody wants to like look at it. Or you could take the other way of being like, listen, this is kind of like, agnostic the founder's reward like anybody who's like purchased zcash is like sort of had to do it like at the fairest price as everyone else and that like everyone just like had to buy it in the market and like basically lost money on it you know mm -hmm. so like it was like it was like very vicious in like sort of distribution um so i don't know like, like that's two ways to sort of think about it. look it hasn't died so like that's worth something i i think the economics on that are like just been brutal for it out of the gate um but like even if you look at stuff like monero which doesn't have like sort of the same inflation thing like they've been like weekly sort of traded even through this whole rally they have like definitely not been like they, they they've traded at like sort of the market they've definitely not over shot it in any capacity so i mm. I, I think there's a couple things one is i think the people who are putting like large tickets in like into crypto like privacy is not as much an issue for them because they're fully regulated and like their activity has to be like sort of all public anyway. So I don't think they're like thinking about any like privacy sort of related aspect to it currently. And, and I think there's really the other aspect of like people just don't care right now. And you're like making yeah. a bet that people will care in the future. Um, it's unclear how that's going to play out though, right? Like they may just never care. Like there's mm -hmm. like a world where like people just don't care that Facebook knows everything and they just continue to use Facebook, right? Like, yeah. or there'll be a world where like, no, this is like my money and I like don't want it, like everything I'm doing to be out there. Um, I don't know. Like so far that bet has not paid off in the sense that like people have not seemed to like want to care about their privacy more as time has gone on. Um, you will see like sort of where it keeps going, but like it, I don't think anything is that it's like sort of known or like done or like solved. Um, I mean, we'll see. It's, it's definitely... It's, it's an interesting one though. I mean, like I have a very similar thesis, but like I said, like it has not been a great trade. I often worry that I've fallen for the sunk cost fallacy on privacy coins and that I should just step away. But then 
especially the past few months, how things have kind of bot seemed to have bottomed out and started to like the Zcash in particular looks really positive to me. And Monero has been doing pretty well, but the siren yeah. song it's, it sucks you back in. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I I have a non-trivial position that I'll just ride to zero or like take it for the full yeah. ride either way. So like that's sort of how I thought about it. It may be just be like a generational or a cultural shift. Also about like just caring about that aspect of it that may never happen. I had yeah. to be really nice though. I invested in I invested in chain analysis, so it worked <laughs> out that what side. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, and then another basket of of uh, coins. What do you think of Ethereum and all the Ethereum competitors at the moment? Any yeah, so for sure. So we 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 bet very heavy on the alternative L1s, mm. which was a good trade in general um and of that basket it's like algo solana um abax uh why can't i think of any of the other ones that are right now Pokemon. um oh polka dot yeah dots right. too and, and kusama actually we were actually more yeah. aggressive on kusama than we were on dots and we put all those positions on basically the back half uh well dots we had done earlier like when it got liquid but like as those like L1s have like fully unlocked, like we put like positions onto them um, in the market. And like, here's our, here's our general thinking of it is that there, there's too much user growth and assets that are trying to push into DeFi in particular, but like, so let's just call it the whole system mm. that Ethereum can't handle it in the sense that it's pricing out a ton of stuff. Um, and it's pricing out more and more sort of like as like interest in the thing grows. And it's going to spill over into the other L1s. Like, that's happening. I just, like, yeah. I, I sort of state that as fact now. And this wasn't true when we put the thesis on, but this is what we thought. And, like, as it's pushed out, like, the, the relative value of those L1s will increase faster than Ethereum will um, as, like, a trade. But we do not think that, like, that's going to be, like, a bearish thing for ETH um, in the long term. But we think it's, like, more sort of stronger and more expensive use cases will stick on the main chain with Ethereum. And a lot of the like things that are priced out will just fall onto the edges and into the other L1s. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we like, bet really big on Serum and Solana. Like we tend to think like that there'll be a full order book model that like exists on chain. And like, that will probably be like one of the dominant competitors for that. Um, but like, that's just like a use case that we don't think will ever live on Ethereum. Like we think that that's just not going to happen. Just out of curiosity, why would Ethereum survive if that was the case? Because, because, what? because there's, go here's the thing, like, it's still going to be the, first of all, it's got the biggest network effect of like, everybody's on it. It's got all the developers already on it. Yeah. And there's going to be like, there's all the use cases that like, don't matter if like transaction fees are still a hundred dollars. That's going to like, make sense, right? Like if I deposit $5 million in a compound, like I'm okay paying a $50 transaction fee, right? So like mm -hmm. there'll be all those like high value, high sort of like security needed transactions that are still like living on Ethereum. And it's really just gonna be like the the next generation of stuff that like sort of get pushed out to it or anything that needs like a ton of like throughput. So I, I think like you'll still have ETH as like the chain you use if you like want really secure smart contract settlement and like it's like higher ticket sort of value stuff, um, or at least that's for the foreseeable future. I, I, I'm pretty bearish on like the whole ETH2 scaling as a competitor to like the other L1s. I, I just think it's gonna it's gonna be too little too late. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how things play out. I ha I still have a big Ethereum position, but because I think it's gonna keep going up over the next few months with the upgrades that are coming just on the anticipation as long as nothing goes wrong or there's no fud about how it goes i think it should be pretty good over the next few months but actually yeah i think i might disagree with you in the sense that i think if the other solutions get traction and they have the backing of big players like for example i've got a decent solana position and just it's been really interesting seeing how essentially uh, SBF has just taken that platform and pushed it so hard and he's just making things happen. And at least in my mind, I don't feel like, I feel like if there was another blockchain that was, had lots of, um, projects on top of it and it was working well and didn't have any issues, I don't feel like in my head that Ethereum would be considered more secure or safe over that one. Um, because actually the fact that Ethereum is so expensive and the gas gets insane and you, you know you have transactions failing whatever makes me feel like using ethereum is risky um and 
and that it isn't actually that secure or safe. Like it feels clunky. It, it, to me, in my mind, what Ethereum has become, it's almost like Ethereum feels like it was like this hacked together go-kart as a proof of concept for a car. And now people are building like Ferraris and stuff. Yeah, and but hey, like, so hold on. Let, yeah. let, let, let me take a counter on that because this was this this like whole thing reminds me of the exact same like fight that played out with Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? Mm-hmm. Where everyone was like, why would you use Bitcoin for anything when you have Ether, which is like, another competitor and it does all this extra stuff and i and i think like what you end up like finding out in reality is like that doesn't fucking matter right it's like there's just so much dominance on the like the original one that like what look what happened right like all the stuff that couldn't run on bitcoin which is basically like everything on the smart contract side rolled into ETH, right but like it really didn't it, like it did probably there's like a world where like ethereum's market cap would have been like swallowed into bitcoin if it like didn't exist now right and yeah. ETH grew faster than Bitcoin, like in sort of returns for sure, especially since inception. But mm. um, like Bitcoin still accrued a ton of value. And I think like ETH will continue to accrue a ton of value going forward. But I think like the O1s will like far outpace it in returns, which is so far happened, I think. Since yeah. These things have gotten some utility. That's a that's actually a good argument now that I think about that, because I remember uh, I'd say like back in 2016 when the first DAOs and stuff were coming out and Ethereum was getting its first real mainstream interest. Uh, yeah, there were heaps of people who were like, you know, you can make a you can make a transaction on Ethereum. That's just one of the many hundreds of different things you can do with a smart contract. So why the hell would you use a a Bitcoin? Why would you use Bitcoin anymore? And and no, you you are definitely right there. Like that didn't that didn't play out. I didn't think that'd play out. I'm not sure why I feel differently about, I think maybe actually, to be honest, I, I bought back into Ethereum uh, mid last year and I hadn't bought back into it since 2016. So I guess I just don't have that same attachment that I have with Bitcoin, but I understand a lot of people who are really into smart contracts are like Ethereum diehards and actually uh, really importantly, yeah, so many of the developers There's ETH are, maximalists, right? Like yeah. there's... there's there's religious aspects to like both like coin chains (laughs) yeah yeah but and i think what's really important too is a lot of the great smart contract developers they're ethereum people you know they like ethereum they want ethereum to succeed and that's a very valuable thing as well you know if you want to get someone to build something you need developers i mean you, you have to argue that like all of the like the amount of sort of like aggregate dev talent in the smart contract industry, like, I don't know, like 90% sits in ETH, maybe more. Like mm. the other chains like have a lot of catch up work to do. And like, yeah, people will peel off and move and like whatnot. But like, I don't know, inertia matters. Like people don't want to switch. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they've got like a, a, like sort of an economic like incentive to not. Mm. Like these guys are all long ETH, right? Yeah yeah exactly just out of curiosity do you have you actually looked into the technical side of how solana works at all yeah so we actually have a full-time developer that just does work for solana um interesting and then we have like other developers who like sort of support that as well i'll say this it's it's like i i was a programmer a lifetime ago um but like i don't do any of that now so i'm sort of speaking this secondary it it's from what i've been told and like our our Solana guy has like worked with a lot of blockchains, but um, he, like he in particular has been like, this is very hard to make a lateral transition to. He's like, you can't just go from like coding Solidity on ETH mm. and just like switch into this overnight. He's like, this is like a big lift and shift that's going to take people. He's like, it's not just like, oh, you go from doing this to going to do it. It's like, he's like, it's a big, it's a big change. So, which is why we had to bring somebody in house full time just to like sort of support our like stuff in that side. So, it, yeah, it is. It's it's a it's different, and like they, it's different enough that like you need dedicated resourcing for it, which is going to slow it down. Um, mm. It's not the end of the world. It's just like it takes more time, right? Yeah. Like I think so... I think Avalanche has the entire EVM running on it, right? So you can just like mm. code Solidity and like run it. If I I don't want to like say that incorrectly, but I think that's what is going on yeah uh with with solana the the reason i asked that is um so yeah i've heard that writing the contracts themselves is a lot yeah it's very different on solana it's it's the language is more difficult and whatever but also yeah i've heard some people some people i know have told me that they don't think it's 
like that decentralized actually i think in order to run a node on solana you have to do kyc or something i don't know i don't think there's kyc i think there's a real non-trivial hardware requirement Hmm. um and you need like real dedicated resourcing to like maintain it and run it it's not like you could just like in the beginning how you could just like run an eth node on your laptop like that's not gonna fly you need like a real dedicated cage that's like operating in a data center so we don't run our own node currently it's something we're looking into like getting set up but Mm. it's from what i know and on the dev side it's like it's a non-trivial lift and it's expensive i don't there's nothing i've ever heard anything about kyc though Mm. i think that's that's but I think it's just, it's expensive and it's a big lift. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to the final topic here, obviously the absolute hottest thing at the moment that came out of nowhere. What's your opinion on NFTs? Are you trading them? Are you interested in them? I would say I'm not interested in them, um, Mm. which is probably just a terrible trade, but I, I'm really not like, super interested in it. Like, I just don't care. Um, and I'm like trying to find a reason to care because it seems like I should, but I don't. Um, that being said, like we've traded them in some capacity. Like there's the, we did the hash mask thing. Like, um, like when there's like clear market opportunity, like we just do it. Um, but we're not like diehard buyers of like, I don't know, like, like we're not like sitting there like sifting through like NFT drops and like figuring out what's like we're just not like we're trading like the liquid assets in crypto. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't care. I like I'm I'm not like if we were to do anything in it, it would be like in an investment on the equity side in one of the like right. platforms or like a token deal that was like related to. I, just, I I'm not like individually like trading around these assets. It's also it's all bespoke, right? Like. So you have to like pay attention to just like trillions of these things. So I'd have to be sitting there like full time, like figuring out how this stuff works. Look, some people are going to make some really good money on this, like understanding the ecosystems. I just like don't have the time for it. And I just also don't want to do it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm in the same boat. I can't, I just can't manage to get interested. But it's been really interesting watching how there's some people who I like I chat to all the time who are like really great traders and I thought that we had very similar personalities and interests and they've gone so hard on NFTs and they love it. Yeah. And then yeah, no, I people just do can't love do it. it. I also do kind of like that this whole thing has just blown up out of nowhere and does seem to be pushing some serious volume and people are thinking about interesting ways to use tokens in a new way. Um so for example with some of these NFTs you can put them in pools and earn yield and whatever Um, oh yeah like slapping it into DeFi. yeah yeah like that's really cool because someone was telling me initial problem with nfts was like oh why would you get this digital artwork instead of the real one or something it's like well now you can you can actually use the digital nft to earn interest and whatever which you can't get with like an artwork unless you like lent it out to an art gallery or something but yeah, it's kind of cool seeing people apply the technology in a new way. And I do genuinely like that. But for me, at least, I, I can't see myself getting into it. But also, I think it's good for Ethereum. Like, it creates interest. Um, I've also noticed a, a decent trade at the moment seems to be um, every every second or third blockchain seems to be announcing that they're going to support NFT markets. And then they just get like an, an instant 10x over the next week. There's quite a few coins that have done that. I don't know if you've been following that. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely been following it um, and like see the opportunity, which is like why I feel like it's been a bad trade to be like dismissive of it. Yeah, yeah. Also, in in the previous interview I did with uh, another guy, we were saying how it also feels like, um, I don't know, the NFT stuff seems kind of cool. So if you're not in on it, like it almost makes you feel old or something. <laughs> I don't know if you feel like that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. I definitely feel like I'm the curmudgeon, especially because we have a couple of younger guys on the desk who are like really into NFTs and like it is definitely a generational sort of like line that gets drawn. Okay, well, I'll finish up with one last question and then we can wrap this up. I know it's it's not good to call tops or anything like that, but what are you thinking about making sure that, you know, you get don't get caught on the wrong side of the escalator here when the market kind of inevitably corrects at some stage, or do you think this is genuinely a new, a new way? We're not going to get the same kind of 50% drops that we used to get at the end of bull rallies. I mean, we just had like a 25% drop. Um, 
True. Yeah, I, look, I mean, it's going to continue to be volatile. I don't think that's going to change. And there's so much leverage in the system. Um, mm. I'm not like a buyer. Like, there's a new paradigm and, like, it won't go down. Um, like, in general, like, when we see a lot of froth in the market, in particular, like, when we see financing costs start to balloon, um, like, which is generally, like, an indication that, like, there's just too much leverage, like, pushing through the system long. Um, we, and, like, if we know there's, like, just not as strong enough of a cash market to, like, support that, like, we'll, we'll go short the curve on a delta neutral basis. So what I mean is like, we'll we'll buy, let's say $50 million a spot and sell $50 million of like quarterly futures against each other. So like the net position is zero. Yeah. And like, we're just sort of compressed. So first of all, you get the roll down, right? So like you earn the interest rate for that trade anyway. And then if the market nukes, like that compresses pretty quickly mm-hmm. because like the funding costs like get sucked out of the market. And then like, you sort of like collect that premium and we'll also short the baskets of the higher beta names against like sort of Bitcoin and ETH. So like we'll start like we love the index products on FTX for this, but like sometimes you can't get enough done there. So we'll just like sort of agnostically just like sell like the basically the altcoin like baskets against the like majors as like a higher beta play mm-hmm. for the downside. So they, they but and what we'll do is we'll take our spot positions and we'll lend them out for cash to then do more of the basis trade. So like that's sort of how we position if we're like starting to like de-risk a little bit. So like yeah. that, that tends to be like how we trade it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I know I said that was the last question, but just quickly on this whole, like how things could end, do you, th- is there any kind of systemic risks that you're looking at at the moment? Do you, do you worry about say something terrible happening to FTX or Binance or um, something yeah. like that? Um, I'm always worried about the exchange risk. That's like my biggest thing that keeps me up at night is yeah. like, like, look, like it's always a risk Like you park money on these things and like they can get hit. Like there's a long history of this. So yeah, yeah. I'm always like worried about the counterparty exposure on that side. We try to spread it out amongst as many venues as we can, um, like to just de-risk at like certain times. So, like I, I'm less worried about like regulatory shock now mm. for some of the other assets I am for like a lot of the DeFi assets in particular. I think there's like a real SEC like probing concern Mm. but like bitcoin and ETH, like now like i'm not really worried about that in any capacity but i am worried that like there's just sort of platform issues with an exchange that gets hit and then like it takes like aggregate crypto down a little bit like that's like a real concern yeah i just feel like the the level of sophistication or and complexity of the exchanges has just grown enormously uh like i i worked at bitmex for a few years and if you consider oh really we used to we used to have one of those leaderboard slots back in the day. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I started with BitMEX at the beginning of 2017, and I left September last year. So I've seen Got it. Know, the whole ride. Um, and BitMEX was a huge achievement in the sense that, well, all crypto exchanges are an incredible achievement in the sense that they take all these old functions that used to be spread out amongst so many different entities in the traditional finance world and put them in one place. And... Right. BitMEX was a complicated enough beast in itself, but now I, and and it, you know, we had to be so careful to make sure that it was accurate and that everything, you know, was mathematically worked out correctly so that there was no issues. And that was a huge focus for us, but we kept it simple to make sure we could do that by like, you know, only having one margin currency and things like this. But then I look at what like FTX and Binance is doing and and it's it's incredible what they've pulled off, but I just worry about, how hard it must be to make sure that everything's balanced and there's there's not a lot of yeah. you know oversight or ways to kind of look at what's got really going on here and yeah that that's one thing that's kind of at the back of my mind like a potential mount gox type situation where something just blows up yeah so i think i think the one caveat to all that is like so the the way you get that like to get really gnarly is there's a catastrophic loss of funds for like a breach Mm. um but like look like these exchanges like how, how much of a big internal trading error issue can like finance eat like probably like 150 200 million dollars right yeah. like they could just like eat that internally so like the 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 difference is like and even like bitmex right they make so much money that they can like eat a lot of like problems that potentially happen you know yeah. like like there could be some catastrophic like precision error that they haven't been catching for the last like two years and it's resulted in i don't know like pick some crazy number like ten thousand bitcoin that's like been lost like they could just like eat that they could just be like all right sorry we're gonna Mm. paper over it you know Mm. like there's there's 
like there's that surety that you somewhat get with it actually that that's a good point and that's kind of what's happened recently when there have been what on paper sounded like big hacks and then the exchanges kind of just made it work yeah they're just yeah. like well sorry we'll eat it like it, mm. yeah right like that that's happened a couple times now um so that's the, the only counterpoint to it but like like if they have a uh, hundred thousand bitcoin loss it's lights out yeah exactly exactly well it's uh it's interesting times yeah let's let's see we'll have to see what happens i hope that it keeps running along and things keep growing it doesn't and... show doesn't show a ton of signs of slowing down right now yeah i i had a feeling actually in the past week that we might have had like that kind of complacency stage and that the last all-time high was the all-time high but we've that's been proven wrong over the past couple of days so who knows man there's just so much like cash trying to move into the system it's like mm. is until that slows down like you probably won't see an issue what concerns me though is like at some point that does slow down and mm. then you have continual like inflation in bitcoin like yeah like everybody loves to talk about like dollar inflation yada yada but like bitcoin's inflationary right so like, right. there's a lot of new issuance that's got to get eaten and eat too right so like i think it's like I don't know what it is a day now in dollar terms, but it's a lot. Like, I think there's something like 65 or $70 million worth of like new issuance every day between mm. Bitcoin and Ether. Like, it's a lot of money, right? Like, that's not that's a, nothing. It's a really good point that um, as the prices go up, it is true that, you know, as we every time we have a halving in Bitcoin or in the to- denominated in the token, the, the inflation's going down. But in, in USD terms, as this space just heats up, it's actually increasing. USD inflation in Bitcoin now is higher than it right, was in than the ever. top of 2017. Wow, that that's something interesting that I haven't looked into. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I mean, there's it's just there's the reality of it, right? Like, mm. like that is like it doesn't all have to be sold, but a good slug of it's got to be sold, and like that's just every day, and it's going to continue. And like, but like if you have a ton of cash moving into the system, it doesn't matter. But if it slows, then suddenly it's a problem. Mm. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Gone through a lot of really good stuff here. I think people are going to like this one. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I'm excited. 